Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel podcast. As a vibrant part of life at TWU, Chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His Word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. tracking with our chapels recently, you'll know that we've been going through a couple of chapters of Luke's Gospel, specifically the suffering, crucifixion, and resurrection of Jesus. And in today's passage in Luke 24, we're still at the Sunday of that momentous weekend, the Sunday after the crucifixion, still in a stage of questioning and grief but also a little bit of hopeful wondering because some women reportedly have gone to the tomb where they were encountered by an angel who told them that Jesus had risen. But the apostles didn't believe the women because it says their words seemed to them like nonsense. Hmm. Still on that same day, there are two people sadly walking back to Emmaus, a village perhaps 11 kilometers from Jerusalem. Two disciples of Jesus, and we know that one is named Cleopas, and the other one presumably lives in the same household, as we'll see later, so it's perhaps his wife or sister. They're walking along together. Now, Dr. Ellis has already covered the first part of this story, how downhearted and perplexed they are, wondering what happened to Jesus, and that then a stranger comes along and walks with them. And they have a conversation with him as they walk along. And now we conclude the story as the three of them approach Emmaus, which is the home of the two disciples. Luke 24, verse 28 to 35. As they, the three of them, approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened to them on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. 
Have you ever hoped for a clear indication from heaven? You know where God might send a neon sign in the sky that says, go this way or choose this. Have you ever wished that Jesus was there, that you could sit across from him and ask him the questions that are on your heart? Sometimes you ask, where is Jesus when we need him? Well, you are not alone. Our friends from Emmaus have their own intense questions. They've just been in Jerusalem for the weekend of the Passover feast or the days of the Passover feast. And if you ever think you've had a roller coaster weekend, let me tell you, it doesn't compare to the one that they've just had. One of the Greek words that describes their conversation gives the picture of them throwing words back and forth, kind of like a ping pong game. Yes, but, how come, what if? Kind of like we might have lying in bed at night rehearsing an event, saying, what if I, did I remember to, I should have, where we wish we could turn off the power to stop the conversation and we can't find the switch. And where is Jesus? Where is Jesus when you need him? What is your where is Jesus when you really need him situation? Where is your life stretched right now? What's troubling you? And do you see Jesus there or not? Does God seem powerless or maybe just absolutely silent? Or maybe it's a where was Jesus when I really needed him? When I prayed and prayed and prayed, but things didn't turn out as I had expected. Where is Jesus? Well, just as these travelers are wondering this, a stranger comes along beside them, presumably another pilgrim on his way home from the events in Jerusalem. And step by step, he keeps pace with them. And then we get a little insider knowledge. We know it's Jesus, but the text says that they are kept from recognizing him by God. But why? Well, God has some purpose, some plan for these two disciples. He begins a conversation. What are you two talking about as you walk along? And they are dumbfounded. Like, what else is there to talk about? The world has just stood still. The hopes and dreams of all the years have come crashing down. They have died a cruel death. And this man wonders what all the fuss is about. And so they recycle the story, three days of agony, of disbelief, of crushed dreams. We had hoped he was the Messiah, but now he's gone. So where in the world is he? Where indeed? And then this stranger calls them foolish and slow to believe. He says, didn't you know that he had to die? And because they don't understand, he takes their little sliver of three days and he spins it out like cotton candy into the full story. 
God's story of interactions with the world. And maybe he starts with creation and God's good intentions, but how sin came into the world, and yet God didn't give up on the world, but put a new plan into action. And then maybe he talks about Abraham and Moses and David and Esther and Ruth. And I like to think that he picked up some words from Isaiah 53, where it says, he was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. And slowly as he talks, something begins to happen within them. Their hearts, which were lying trampled and still in the ground, begin a slow beat. Their hope, which had died like a seed planted in the ground, begins to reach up to the warmth of the sun, straining to live, to be fed, to grow. Like Aslan, coming to the land of Narnia, breaking the witch's evil power, melting the snow, allowing new life to begin, so was the power of the stranger's words. Were not our hearts burning within us? Well, he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us, they say later. There was warmth, there was heat, there was power, there was life in the words of the stranger, and their frozen hearts thaw and grow warm. Not through their own effort, their intelligent design, or their hard work, but through the spirit. The Spirit begins a work of burning hearts. And that has been the Spirit's work, both before this and after this. Coming with visible fire at Pentecost, flaming on people's heads, but also setting their hearts and tongues alight. God's Word has power. John Wesley, a well-known preacher, revivalist, pastor, hymn writer, had come at one point to the end of himself in ministry. He was depleted and uncertain, something like our disciples on the way, wondering where in the world Jesus was, wondering if God was really real. And then his diaries record how one evening in 1738, he reluctantly attended a study meeting, another Christian religious meeting. How exciting was this study? Well, someone was reading aloud from a commentary. Imagine, Luther's commentary on Romans. And then Wesley records this in his diary. While he was describing the change which God works in the hearts through faith in Christ, I felt my heart 
strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. Hearts aflame, seared by fire, or strangely warmed, God is in it all. As evening approaches, these two disciples invite Jesus to come into their home to share some fellowship, and they set the table with some simple fare. They've been away for several days after all. They sit down together, and then something unusual happens. Normally, the head of the household says the blessing over the food. But before they can say the words, the guest reaches for the bread lifts it up and says a traditional blessing, blessed are you, Lord our God, who brings forth bread from the earth. And then tearing the bread in two, he offers it to them as his guests, as if he himself is the host at the table. The guest reaches out to offer broken bread to those gathered at the table. He takes care to bless and feed his hosts. He is both guest and host. And we have such a meal too, don't we? A meal where Jesus is both the guest and the host and the food for our provision. Where Jesus breaks bread to give it to us, saying, this is my body given for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Over and over again in scripture, in our lives, God comes in unexpected ways with signs of God's presence, and God provides. And suddenly our two disciples catch their breath because this is not just any guest. This is not just a traveling stranger. This is Jesus come alongside, willing to share their walk through life, to answer their questions, to make them a people of burning hearts. And now to add to their burning hearts, they are a people of open eyes, a people who can see Jesus now. It was Jesus all along, but now they recognize him. Why? because their eyes were opened, passive voice, because God opened their eyes. They know. And once they know, Jesus vanishes from their sight. And when Jesus disappears from before their eyes, they take to the street. They can't hold on to him, he vanishes. They can't follow him, they don't know where he's gone, but they can testify to what they have experienced. And so back they go to Jerusalem. And remember that this isn't just a few steps, this is around 11 kilometers, and it's nighttime. And I like to think of them running with the bread in their hands, taking it, back to the apostles to show. Here, see, he broke this with his own hands. He blessed this. It's true that he is alive. Jesus is alive. Where he is right now, I don't know, but this I do know. Jesus is real. Jesus is alive. 
And that's God's word to us today, too. Jesus is with us. He is with you this morning and this afternoon and this evening, today, tomorrow, whenever, wherever. Jesus is present in his word. Jesus is present in his people. And Jesus is present by his spirit. Sometimes his presence seems to be clouded, obscured, and it takes God to open our eyes to the way that death can still lead to some kind of resurrection. And Jesus has been present, always. Sometimes what we need is to have our eyes opened, and time can do that, looking back, experience, wisdom, seeing how God can turn things to good for those who love him. The Spirit is the one whom the ascended Jesus sends to walk alongside of us, so that no matter what it feels like, we are never without the presence of Jesus, of God, of the Holy Spirit. In fact, what we have recently remembered is that Jesus has experienced the ultimate absence. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that we are never forsaken. We are never walking alone. And more than that even, the Spirit does not just walk along but lives within. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you to make us a people of burning hearts and open eyes and running feet, beautiful feet that run to tell the good news, not in our own power and strength, but in that of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, we do not lose hope Though all seems lost, or life seems puzzling, or God's timing is different than our own, we know, as surely as those first disciples, Cleopas and companion, that Jesus is alive. He is risen from the grave. He walks with us and talks with us along the narrow way. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Amen. And let me lead you in prayer. Dear God, thank you that we could gather as a people on Easter weekend and even every Sunday or time that we gather to sing and say and proclaim together, He lives, He lives. He walks with us and talks with us. And I pray that as that is true in times of celebration, it may also be true in the valleys and sorrows and griefs of our lives, that we may know that you are not absent, for you have promised to be with us always. To you be all the praise and honor and glory, risen Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. 
We hope to worship together with you soon at our next broadcast online at livechapel.twu.ca every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 a.m. You can also stay connected with us by following at TWU Chapel and at TWU Student Ministries. Much love. Thank you.